right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets, they win 122-113 over the New Orleans Pelicans, getting back in the win column. They had uh, a losing road trip over these last three, uh, one and two. They rested the Milwaukee Bucks game, to be clear. Lost a heartbreaker against the Philadelphia 76ers. You wouldn't think it was a heartbreaker based off of the practice. And I think that Denver really put it in the rear view in tonight's game as they bring the energy, they bring the efforts, they show up at home. It took them a little bit to get going, but they got to the places where they needed to go. And the stars were out to shine tonight as Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray were fantastic in this one. Uh, really, really appreciate the performances from both of those guys. Jokic really showed up after what was a tough performance last game. And like he, he had good stats, and there, there's nothing really crazy about it, but uh, it was the Jokic versus Embiid bowl, and, and he needed a bounce-back performance, and he got it in a big way. Jamal Murray, same thing. I thought that Murray at times looked a little bit shaky in the Philly game. Tonight looked aggressive, willing to catch and fire from a very early time, and it capitalized in a big, big way. Those guys combined for some really great minutes, and they played a lot of those minutes together, which I thought was very interesting tonight. Let's begin. Uh, We'll go with the starters in the first segment, then go with the bench in the second segment, and we'll go over some playoff and then some standing stuff in the third segment. not going to do too much about Bones. I think I've talked about it enough. I'll, I'll do some in the second segment on that, but... First segment, let's go over Nikola Jokic, who in this game, 38 minutes, 26 points, 18 rebounds, and 15 assists. He had a 16th triple-double tonight. The Nuggets are 16-0. When he accumulates a triple-double, it literally is a winning formula for them when Jokic is as involved and effective as he is. Usually he's very efficient as well, and tonight he was 10 of 14 from the field. 1 of 3 from 3, 5 of 5 from the line. That seems pretty good to me. Plus 20 in his minutes tonight was Nikola Jokic, and that really stands out to me after there have been a couple of games over the course of these last few where Jokic's plus minus hasn't really been the league-leading plus minus standard that he's set so far this year. So it's nice to see a plus 20. It's nice to see him really go out and dominate a game in a way where he knows how or in a way where he is very capable of doing it. And he did it in a variety of ways. He didn't need to take any more than 14 shots tonight in order to get it done. He grabbed 18 rebounds. He dished out 15 assists. Did he have five turnovers? Sure, but a three to one assist to turnover ratio you take every single time. 15 assists is a crazy number. And it actually puts him at 439 assists total on the year. Why that makes a difference is because he's played 44 games. So he is at basically 9.97 in his assist total, or in his assist per game average, excuse me, where he is so, so close to averaging a triple-double on the year. An efficient 25-point-per-game triple-double as the one seed in the West I made some statements after the Jokic versus Embiid Bowl that uh, he had lost a lot of momentum and it greatly diminished his MVP candidacy. 
But as you get some distance away from that game and as it becomes a little bit more of a rear view mirror kind of game, you start to look at the numbers. He's having a great year, continues to play awesome in general. Uh, There are going to be those uh, very high pressure moments where he's going to have to step up down the stretch, uh, especially in late March when he goes up against Giannis Embiid, Zion probably, the Suns probably, the Warriors. He'll have a lot of matchups against those teams in the last month of the season, basically. But for now, if he's averaging a 25-point triple-double on the one seed, it is really hard to go against that. Just just impossible, in my opinion, to make a, a strong counter-argument for other people unless you provide them with crazy historic numbers themselves. But the way that Jokic controlled the game tonight was awesome. I thought that his defense in the first quarter was horrible. I thought that his rim protection in general was not very good, but he was quality on the glass. And he finished with 18 rebounds, which that's a really big deal when closing out possessions. How many offensive rebounds did the Pelicans have tonight? They only had eight. And Valanciunas had two. Herb Jones had two. And the rest of them came with Larry Nance and Najee Marshall off the bench. So it stands out to me that when Jokic is out there, It's very rare for opposing teams to just dominate the offensive glass, Denver's defensive glass. That is a part of defense. It's probably the best part that Jokic has at this stage. He has pretty good hands. That's always going to be a thing. But in general, if he can control the glass on nights like tonight against a big body like Jonas Valanciunas, that makes a lot of difference. And the Pelicans, they didn't have enough of those easy offensive possessions that they usually get. Uh, because of Zion's size, uh, Valanciunas' size, Herb Jones crashing, Nance doing his thing, things like that. And because of that, they could not keep up with the Nuggets offense, which with Jokic is, of course, special. Jamal Murray, 32 points tonight, uh, 10 of 21 from the field. Not necessarily the most like elite efficiency, but the shots that he's taken are pretty hard. And sometimes he creates some easy ones for himself. But when you take 12 threes, which is a season high for Jamal Murray, by the way, when you take 12 threes, it kind of raises the overall efficiency of everything, especially if you're a guy like Murray, who's shooting basically 40% from three this year. He's at 39.2, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, He is really close to 40. And... A guy like that who, if, if you're taking 12 threes, on average, you're, you're going to make about, I don't know, five of them is usually what's going to happen. He makes seven tonight, has six assists, does some good things inside the arc as well. And when you're consistently doing that and creating good shots for yourself, for your teammates, it takes so much pressure off of Nikola Jokic. Uh, I asked Jokic where he saw kind of the most improvement from uh, Murray from game one of the season to now. And he was mostly thinking about his confidence and in his conditioning, his ability to approach certain situations with confidence and knowing that he could do it, knowing that he was in position where he could get the job done. And tonight, he looked like a guy who was very confident in his game. There was no aspect, aspect of it where he was like, I don't know about this move. I don't know about this leap. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. He was just playing basketball, and he's at that stage now where he's just playing, which is really, really cool. And as a result, he's having games like this where they're a little bit more frequent, him getting at least 25 points, 
five assists, five rebounds. Games like that where he is impacting the box score, doing a lot of things. It's kind of that second option to what Nikola Jokic is doing every night. It's a really, really big deal. So hopefully he continues to do it. Hopefully he continues to go. I'm of the opinion that he won't make an all-star bid, that Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, those guys are probably splitting votes for Denver's second best player at this stage. I think Aaron Gordon for the first kind of 30 games of the season was probably that clear all-star candidate for that second spot for Denver. Murray's been the clear guy in the last 20 games or so. He has been very stable, very good. And he's had a lot of moments where uh, it's his shooting. It's his ability to play make. It's uh, like when he had the triple-double in place of Jokic. He's had some moments over the course of these last, I don't know, four, five, six weeks where you just you smile because he's at his best and he's playing really, really well and he's playing really, really hard. So I'm glad to see him get to this place. And I just continue to feel very confident about the direction that he himself is going. Uh, he continues to provo- he continues to progress. He continues to get better. And I hope that in his career at some point, he does get credited with an all-star appearance. Because on this team, I think he, he deserves it. It's not like, like Jokic is always going to be the all-everything for this team. And deservably so. He's just fantastic. But... I do think that if you don't have that proper running mate, it gets really hard. We saw that last year, and Denver has so much more wiggle room this season because of Murray's presence, in my opinion. So, been good. It's been impressive. Uh, Really impressed with the way that Murray has comported himself and responded in times of where he's not necessarily playing well. Tonight, he was willing to shoot. He was uh, very, very willing to shoot, but just catch-and-shoot shots were really, really big for him. And it's just nice to see because it makes the game easier for him when he gets those good looks. Aaron Gordon, he's a guy who tonight, I think a lot of his impact was felt when he was guarding Brandon Ingram. Ingram did not have a good game. He was 5 of 17 from the field, was a minus 21, did have nine assists, but had four turnovers. And the minus 21 is basically directly parallel with Aaron Gordon's plus 22, where Gordon at 36 minutes has 15 points, six rebounds, six assists, doesn't have any steals or blocks, but I thought did a really nice job of contesting what Brandon Ingram wanted to do. And there are some times where Ingram's going to get free. He got free against Christian Brown. He got free against Jamal Murray at times, but He's going for switches in that situation when he's on Gordon. When Gordon's on him, it's just really nothing that Ingram could really do. And I thought Michael Porter also deserves some credit here too. But Aaron Gordon holding Brandon Ingram down like that, that is a really, really big deal. And the offense in a game like tonight where Murray has it going, Jokic has it going, uh, Porter's getting shots, KCP's getting shots, the offense was really secondary. And that's fine. Like there are going to be times where Gordon's role as a role player is going to be more focused on the defensive side of the ball or facilitating like he did with his six assists. Had zero turnovers tonight, hit a three, did some great things, led the team in plus minus. That's exactly what you want to see. KCP, pretty impressive performance himself. He got a DPOG chain as well as Aaron Gordon. Both of them got chains tonight. 
38 minutes for KCP is a lot. He staggered with the bench. We're going to talk about that in the second segment. But when he was with the starters, he was just a great floor spacer. There was a play. It was pretty funny. Jokic, I th- he was running kind of a, a slip pick and roll where he was handling the ball. And he jumped up into the air, was going to pass the ball to the slip, realized he didn't have a pass, and just kind of like chucked it right into the corner. Uh, and it was through traffic. There wasn't really room for KCP to catch it, but he caught it. And there wasn't really room for KCP to shoot it, but he shot it anyway and just drains it. It was a great pass and one where I don't think anybody really expected him to throw it. And I don't think anybody really expected KCP to shoot it after that. And he's just a willing, able-bodied shooter. There are so many different ways where he can get involved, but not just as a three-point shooter. He had some good moments driving to the rim, pulling up for two, doing good things off the bounce. He only had one assist tonight, but there are a lot of times where he has four or five within the flow of this offense, and the way that he stays involved with the team is really, really important. He's just a guy that I feel very comfortable doing things. Like he's if he if he runs a pick and roll with somebody, okay, he ran a pick and roll. If he comes off a DHO, okay, came off a DHO. If he's spotting up in the corner, he's one of the best in the league, that's for sure. But even if he's doing some other things and maybe he's taking an isolation step back. It's not like ideal, but if you have to do that, I kind of feel better about him doing it than I did about Will Barton, which that's a crazy thing. But I think he's earned that right. And I think he's earned the ability to take those shots at times. So him getting four steals and two blocks on top of the offensive stuff that he does, uh, it's just fantastic. He defended CJ McCollum for most of the night. Although there were times where Murray was on CJ McCollum. There are times where CJ got switched on to other guys, but in general, uh, if Brandon Ingram goes 5 of 17 and CJ McCollum goes 7 of 19, you're doing pretty well. And Denver did do pretty well on those guys, despite the fact that the Pelicans had won 13. So really good stuff from the starters. Uh, you had double-digit positives in the plus-minus for all of those guys, and they deserve a ton of credit for the way that they approached it. A lot of minutes for that group because the bench wasn't really trustable. But I do think that the starters got back on track after what was a tough game, in this, especially a tough second half on this last Saturday. So good stuff from them. Tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench and a couple of different variations that Michael Mullen threw out there. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. The final drive for championship is here and there's no better place to wager on the football title tilt than Superbook Sports. Superbook features the best menu of prop bets in the business. Plus, check out their special odds, boosts, and promotions at Superbook.com. With over three decades of odds-making experience in Las Vegas, there's no better place to wager than Superbook Sports. Win some money as one lucky team wins the championship. Download the Superbook Sports app today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call one 800 522 4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you're listening to this podcast on YouTube, thank you so much. Go give that thing a like and a comment. I read all of those and want to make sure that this podcast is 
YouTube quality in as many aspects as I can. So thank you so much if you are watching, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give it a like, uh, give it a subscribe on those particular platforms, and make sure to go rate and review the show. That really does help me out. So thank you so very much. All right, before we get to the bench, I realized I didn't talk about Michael Porter, and that's kind of unfortunate based off of how I usually structure these shows. He was also plus 18 tonight, and he was a part of what Denver was doing well. Switched on to CJ McCollum, switched on to Aaron, uh, Brandon Ingram at times. Wasn't like perfect, and, and there were definitely times where Herb Jones got past him, and Trey Murphy drove past him, and things like that, or he wasn't rotating out to the perfect spot, but I had this point, and I made this point to the media contingent at Ball tonight. It's now 1.50 in the morning, so it was actually last night. Uh, it does seem to me like Michael Porter is just part of the team now, where previously I think you could make the point that he wasn't necessarily always part of the group. He wasn't necessarily always that guy that uh, was just part of the unit. He had kind of a feeling of being separated from the group for a while, and now he's just a part of things. Now he is integrated into what they're doing. Uh, this tragedy that's going on in the life of his brother and how it affected Michael, it does seem like the team sort of rallied around him and tried to make him feel at home, make him feel comfortable when he returned to the team. And I like that. I like hearing that because it feels like he wasn't before. Like He, he was integrating himself for sure. But now it feels like he's really a part of the brotherhood where you have this group that wants to win a title together. And I think that Michael's now a part of that, which is really, really cool. He didn't get that opportunity as much with Murray and Jokic in the bubble. Now I think he's there. Now I really do think that he is one of the trusted players, which is cool. It's really, really cool. All right. Bench time. First half bench lineup is different from the second half bench lineup, but the first half was horrible. Bones, KCP, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, Zeke Naji. I asked Michael Malone what led to his decision to kind of flip up the rotation this time around. Uh, he said that it was because Jamal Murray was hot in that first half, in that first quarter, so he decided to leave him out there, take out KCP, and KCP staggered with the bench. And I thought overall, like, his particular role in that was fine. There's nothing wrong that KCP did while he was out there. Uh, but in his place, uh, you have Bones, KCP, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and Zeke Nashi. And I thought there were a lot of negative aspects to that group. Uh, first and foremost, Bones and Zeke were benched heading into the second half lineup, where I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But in that run of about, I don't know, four or five minutes, New Orleans just did not miss. They were getting easy shots. They were getting comfortable shots. And the Nuggets bench was not doing anything to really bother that. Whether it was Zeke, whether it was Bones, whether it was Jeff. I thought that Bruce Brown had some bad moments. I thought Bruce Brown especially had some bad moments offensively. I'll get to that in just a bit. But to me, it feels like Bones isn't just the guy who should be blamed in this situation. I think that there was a lot where that kind of went into it, but he is the focal point with that group when he's out there. And he had three turnovers in five minutes. I think he missed a shot. Uh, he missed two shots, including one three. He did have an assist, and I don't remember who it was to. I'm pretty sure 
gosh, who was it to? Probably to Jeff Green, if we're being honest, but I'm a little bit, like, obviously a little bit concerned. And I've heard the rumors that I think we're moving past the point of concern at this stage where Bones, it wasn't working in those first five minutes. He got taken out of the game. Christian Brown replaced him in that lineup. Christian Brown also got a little bit cooked in that first half, especially. But what Brown did well was he rebounded the basketball, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit. But Michael Malone in this game decided, nope, screw it. We are just going to go with our vets and the guys that can play defense. And he went to a second half bench lineup of Bruce Brown, KCP, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, and Jeff Green. Now, say what you want about Jeff Green. Uh, I do not think that he deserves to be in that group ahead of Zeke Naji. I do not think that there is any real justification that Jeff is out there over Zeke Naji. Jeff had the lowest plus minus on the team, and we will talk about him in just a little bit here. But the lineup that went out there is very switchable. It's probably more switchable with Zeke, but with Jeff, it's fine. Like it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. And I think that that lineup is just, it's very aggressive. It is very uh, impressive as a perimeter defense unit. And even though it wasn't perfect in the second half, I think it was better. And that was the most important thing, right? Where you needed some guys who could go out there and make a difference on the defensive end. And at the beginning of the fourth quarter, Denver got some baskets off of defending, rebounding, and running. They picked off. A pass from, I think it was CJ McCollum on the first possession of the fourth quarter. And then Christian Brown dunked the ball on the other end. And then second possession, Bruce Brown picks the pocket of, I think it was Alvarado, and then dunks the ball over him. And that forces a timeout from Willie Green and the Pelicans. And I think that in general, Denver, they have to have a lineup with their second unit that is just really solid defensively. You have to have as few weaknesses defensively as you can, because if especially if Murray's not out there, who's going to run the offense? Who's going to really push that? Who is going to uh, do great things on the offensive end? I don't know if anybody is. And so I think Denver just has to have that defensive mentality where they're just not going to let the other team score. And they did it. They limited the opposing uh, possessions. They limited the opposing shots, and they limited the opposing points. And that was the way that Denver kind of stayed even in that case. And that's great because then Jokic and Murray came back in just a little bit earlier than they normally do at about the 845 mark or so. And Denver closed the door. It took them a little bit. New Orleans hung out, hung around for a little bit, but it was never a situation where you felt like they were going to give it away. And the bench could have given it away at some point, but Denver's going to need to find ways to score a little bit better with a group like this, where you don't really have a great offensive creator. Might have to play through Aaron Gordon a little bit more of the post. Might have to run some high pick and roll with Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. Not sure what it's going to look like, but in general, I think Denver's got to go the defensive route more so than they go with the offensive route. Really quickly before we get into other guys, Malone had this quote after the game. Uh, There's other context to it that I posted in my article on Mile High Sports that everybody should go read. I have it on the recap. Uh, There is more than just this, but Michael Malone was asked by Darren McKee, uh, DMAC of 104.3, 
where do you stand with Bones? And Malone said, quote, I stand with Bones. Uh, he also said, I stand with all the players in the locker room and everybody that's in the locker room. His, his goal is to win. His goal is to do the right thing uh, as a team and, and winning together and trying to keep that camaraderie and the doing that so in the best way possible. Bones, I'm not sure, is in that category right now. He wants to support Bones. He wants to put him into a position where he can succeed. But the fact is, is that the defense is just compromised when he's out there. And the offense is like it's not where it needs to be. And he has to do a lot of the carrying and he's not carrying right now. So I do think that there are ways that Bones could be better used. I do think they could put him into a better situation if they had a better roller. Uh, somebody who is the kind of a big seven-footer that could roll to the rim and do some things like a Nikola Jokic, like a, I don't know, even like a Bam Adebayo or somebody like that, where you have somebody who can be an athletic roller to the rim and really just be a release valve at some points for you. Denver doesn't really have that right now. So they are dealing with a situation where they've got a player who's not really going to be at his max, who's not really going to be at his top potential in Bones. And they're going to try to coax out as much as they can, but it does sound like from the Chris Haynes report that came out today on the broadcast during the game, I didn't listen to it, but the gist of it was that Bones would have been would be amenable to a trade, to a different situation where he is in a larger, more featured role, kind of can play through his mistakes uh, he's a rising star that was announced today as well. So it's all of weird timing coming out right now, but got nine days, eight days left since I'm recording this at two o'clock in the morning on February 1. Uh, eight days left until the trade deadline officially hits. And it's looking more and more like Bones will not be here long term. And that is too bad because you want to see guys like him succeed where he just gives his all to the city, gives his all to the fans, and it has not worked out on the court the way that it probably needs to for this team to be the best version of themselves to win a title. And that is the most important thing. Can this team win a title with this group? Michael Malone is going to say, I stand with Bones, and he should say that he stands with Bones, but I also am of the opinion that Denver is okay kind of going in a different direction too. Now, Christian Brown, the only player on the bench lineup who could grab a rebound tonight. You have zero rebounds for Jeff Green, zero rebounds for Zeke Naji, who played just three minutes. You have zero rebounds for Bruce Brown, who played 21 minutes. You have zero rebounds for Bones, who had five minutes. And you have five rebounds for Christian Brown, who played 14 minutes. Now, a lot of this is because nobody was missing for the Pelicans during that stretch. But even when it was on the offensive end, Christian Brown still found a way to grab a rebound. Jeff Green did not. Bruce Brown did not. Zeke Nagy did not. And would they have if Zeke had played more time? Probably. Uh, but I do think that at this stage, Christian just brings enough of that hustle and energy, and willingness to do the dirty work, that you need somebody like that out there. Because I'm going to be honest with you, Jeff Green is not willing to do the dirty work. He will screen, and he will roll, and he'll like switch and try to box out people. That's not really dirty work. That's just playing basketball. Christian Brown is willing to get dirty, willing, willing to 
sell out his body when he needs to, to go get an extra possession. And that is really endearing to somebody like me who sees the bench as a really flawed product right now and says, okay, they need every help, that every little bit of advantage that they can get. How do they get an advantage? Well, you run in transition. Okay, Christian Brown does that. You grab offensive rebounds, get some easy putbacks. Okay, Christian Brown does that. You hustle up and make the extra rotation and try to be as crisp as possible to limit the opposing team's possessions. And Christian Brown does that too. There was some targeting of the Pel- from the Pelicans veterans tonight with Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum both being willing and able to go at Christian Brown and feeling the comfortability that they wanted to almost because he is a rookie, not because he played them any certain way, but because they're like, okay, this is a rookie on me. I can do what I want to do. And it just kind of gives you an injection of confidence if you're the opposing team, even if it's like unwarranted. So I'm at the stage where Christian Brown's just got to play through that. And Michael Malone's got to play Christian Brown through that because this right now with this bench lineup is untenable. There is no way that the Nuggets can continue doing what they're doing, where they are playing Bones five minutes, they're playing Zeke three minutes, Some for some reason they're playing Jeff Green 19, not really sure why that is, but uh, either way, like Christian Brown is helping the team win. He was, and he was out there for good possessions, he was work, working off of Joker, he will work off of Murray and other guys like that, Bruce Brown, he knows how to play. And he plays the way the Nuggets want him to play. And to me, grooming a guy like that to be the best version of himself heading into the playoffs is super, super important because he's going to have to play. There are going to be times where Bruce Brown gets into foul trouble. There are going to be times where Jeff Green's unplayable. There are going to be times where Michael Porter, uh, God forbid, he tweaks his back. Knock on wood. Aaron Gordon, same thing. Like He could go down in a heap or KCP could, he's dealing with a right wrist sprain right now. What if that flares up? Christian Brown's going to have to play at some point and they're going to need him to be ready for that. So you got to get him ready now. You got to play him consistently now. And my opinion is that they've got to find time for that if they know, or at least they feel that Bones is not going to be that guy. So tough balance right now over the course of this next week. But going forward, I think that that is going to be a mandate unless they trade for somebody that fills his role better. That might happen. Uh, But in my mind, Bruce Brown is a guy that you trust off the bench. And that's it. You've got one guy. You have one guy who you trust. And you can't really point to anybody else. You can't point to Jeff Green because Jeff has not been good. Lowest plus minus on the team tonight. And did not do really basically anything, uh, at least on like important connective stuff. I think Zeke is going to be the backup center, but I think that they might trust Jeff a little bit more to do that, which is why the rotation was the way that it was tonight. I think you might see Bruce Brown, like you're, you're going to get him to play 30 minutes. You're going to get Christian Brown to play sometime, but... In general, I think Denver needs to have more than one trusted player. They don't need that many more. They need probably one or two other guys 
beyond Bruce Brown that you can feel like, okay, we can go to war with these guys. And as long as everybody's capable of playing 15 minutes a night, you're going to be okay because the minutes are going to be so much higher in the playoffs anyway. So going to be interesting to see how Denver deals with it. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to go over the Western Conference and Denver standing in it. We'll be right back. We're back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this one up by talking about where Denver stands in the Western Conference right now. As you can see on the bottom of the screen, if you're watching this on YouTube, Denver has a 35-16 and overall record. It's really good. It is second in the NBA behind only the Boston Celtics, who are 36-15. and uh, Really impressive stuff from them. Denver is at the top of the West. And Memphis is second, two and a half games back of Denver. They're 32 and 18. When you start going down the rest of the standings, Memphis is 32 and 18. Sacramento, 28 and 21. They are so much further down than even Memphis right now. They are six games back of the Nuggets. And they have they only have 21 losses in comparison to Denver 16. So only five losses behind. But the Kings are in third over the top of the rest of this West, which kind of shifts by the day. You have the Clippers at four at 29 and 25. They're seven and three in their last 10. You have the Warriors who are 26 and 24. They have 24 losses. They're the team with the, the fourth fewest losses in the Western Conference right now. Uh, so they are on track to, I think, probably be a second round, like a Second round opponent for Denver, if that was possible. Uh, you have the Dallas Mavericks, 27 and 25, tied with the Phoenix Suns at 27 and 25. Those teams are at six and seven, which is the cutoff for the play-in tournament. Right now, Phoenix would be in the play-in tournament because they have a lower head-to-head matchup against Dallas. You have Minnesota, who's 27 and 26, just one more loss than those teams. Minnesota, 27-26 at 8. Utah at 9, 26-26, 500. New Orleans is now tied with Utah at 10. They've lost nine in a row, the New Orleans Pelicans have. And that's crazy. That's a crazy number to me where they had been doing well without Zion Williamson. And now, like now there's just no telling what they're going to do. But it just sort of feels like they are behind the eight ball on, on that, and they're going to have to work. They're going they're in danger of missing the playoffs entirely. Oklahoma City, they've lost one game in a row now, but they're still 6-4 and four in their last 10. They are 24-26 and 26 at the 11 seed, tied with the Portland Trailblazers at 12 at 24-26 and 26 themselves. All 12 of those teams that I just listed have a positive point differential. Think about that for a second. Usually in the West and the East, you have about seven, eight, maybe nine teams that have a positive point differential. In the West right now, there are 12. A lot of that is because you have the Clippers at 0.1, the Warriors at 0.1, and the Minnesota Timberwolves at 0.1. So maybe I just caught it at the right time where you have a lot of these numbers in the green. But 
Plus, like to be have a positive point differential just shows how strong the conference is, even if it's a little mid. Not going to lie. The Lakers, uh, ye of referee bias, uh, are 24 and 28. They are in 13th right now. And then you've got San Antonio and Houston at the bottom of the conference. They are nowhere close to any of this playoff conversation. But in my mind, it just seems to me like Denver is at this stage where they've separated themselves from the morass of teams. And they have so much less pressure facing them for the rest of the season because they don't have to like look over their shoulder the entire time in order to see who's coming. They just have to continue playing their game. And the way that they've played, there is no doubt that they can win. I, I think I projected 56 and 26. So like they now have to win like 21 out of their next 31 games. And they can do that. They can absolutely do that. It's not a crazy thing. It's not like that is so far beyond what their current pace is. It's actually well within pace of what they have uh, done so far. So Denver's at a great spot. They are one game away from Michael Malone clinching the opportunity to coach the All-Star game. The Nuggets coaching staff coaching the All-Star game for Team LeBron. Uh, Joe Mazzulla and the Boston Celtics coaching staff are coaching Team Giannis. So that should be interesting for them. Good for them. Uh, It would be nice if Denver got the same sort of credit. Michael Malone's never going to get credit for Coach of the Year, which is too bad. Like I think he's had a really good season so far. But I do think that Denver's always going to be in that realm. And there's a reason why Michael Malone is the fourth longest tenure coach in the entire NBA. He has been steady. He's been good. And I think this proves it in a lot of different ways. Play and tourney for Denver. This is important because if the Nuggets are the one seed, then whoever they face in the play and tournament will be determined among these teams. It changes. So take this with a grain of salt, but here's what it looks like right now. If you're seeing this on YouTube, then you've got a nice visual. Phoenix versus Minnesota are the seven and eight seeds. They would play a game to determine who the seven seed is and who would face the two seed Memphis Grizzlies. The winner of that faces Memphis. The loser would then face the winner of Utah versus New Orleans, where you try to figure out, okay, which of those teams could Denver face? So in this scenario, uh, Denver would face, in all likelihood, like I think Phoenix beats Minnesota in a one-off game. And I think, I'd say New Orleans probably beats Utah in a one-off game. So you're probably facing the winner of a Minnesota versus New Orleans game in the first round of the playoffs. And so let's do the percent chance that Denver actually wins a series against any of these West teams. We'll do that really quickly before we get out of here. If you're looking at, let's say from the bottom, the Lakers, I think it's a 90% chance that Denver wins that series. Obviously with LeBron and AD, and if there are any trades that the Lakers do, maybe there's a possibility that they uh, create a matchup that Denver struggles to face. But the Lakers are always going to be one of those athletic teams that will drive the rim and go at Nikola Jokic. But I do think that Jokic is the best player in that series, and that matters more than anything. So 90%. Against Portland, 95%. Like, there's no reason why Portland would beat Denver. I think Denver just has their number. There's nothing really to even say about it. OKC, 
probably closer to 90 in general because I, I like Shea. I think that Shea has done some crazy things and he could just go off for an entire series and maybe it's a situation where he's just unstoppable, but they don't have anybody to match up with Jokic. He would probably put uh, whoever is guarding him, uh, whether it's Jalen Williams, uh, the Arkansas Jalen Williams, or it's Mike Muscala or whoever, whoever it is, he put them under the rim and into the stanchion. So that's 90%. Oh, actually up to 93%. New Orleans is an interesting one, and they could be a team that Denver faces in the first round. I'd put that at around, let's go 80%. New Orleans, New Orleans is a very talented team. I think what you see from them is that they have the formula against Denver's bench specifically to really win those minutes a lot. And then it's up to Denver and it's up to Jokic, it's up to Murray to really help win the starters minutes by a lot themselves. And if they can, then great. I I don't see any reason why they couldn't. I don't think that Herb Jones is stopping Murray. I don't think that Jonas Valanciunas or anything that the Pelicans throw at Jokic is going to really stop him. But I do think that they could take at least a game off of Denver. I'd probably handicap it at 75 to 80% that Denver wins that series. Maybe 85. Utah, Denver wins that series. Uh, I'll go 85 to 90%. Utah has no way to stop Jokic. Just no way. Kelly Olenek, Walker Kessler, Larry Markinen, Jared Vanderbilt, they just don't have a way. If they play Walker Kessler a lot of minutes too, then that puts Jokic closer to the rim where he can help protect the rim. He doesn't have to be out on the perimeter a whole bunch, and he can play drop coverage and guard against a rookie where he would probably do fine. Walker Kessel would be very good. He's a very good player. I think that he would be, he's going to have a strong future in the league. But to me, I don't think he's got anything for Yoke. That's fine. Minnesota. Minnesota's an interesting one. I'm going to put this at a 70% win rate that Denver wins this series 70% of the time. Because Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and Anthony Edwards is a very scary trio of players that have given Denver issues in the past. Rudy Gobert, he hasn't like, sometimes he takes the abuse of Jokic and he has that clip where Murray says, bro, I, I, I for brother, I have 47 from Jokic's perspective where that's hilarious. Um, and Jokic has cooked him at times, but in general, I think that they have a formula where they could match Carl Towns' minutes with Jokic and then have uh, Gobert as the rim protector behind him. And then they would always win the bench minutes where you stagger one of those centers against Zeke Naji, Jeff Green, or Aaron Gordon off uh, kind of staggering with the starters themselves. That's a tough, tough place to be. So it's a, it's a tough matchup. I think that Denver would actually struggle with that one a lot. But I still think they're the more talented team. They'd have home court advantage. Let's go 70%. Um, Phoenix. If Phoenix were to trade for OG Ananobi, I'd be pretty scared. I'm not going to lie. I'd probably handicap that at a 50-50 series. Phoenix is really good, and they have a matchup for Denver where it's really, really tough to guard Devin Booker and CP3 and DeAndre Ayton at the same time. And Denver would have to give up a lot of mid-range shots. They'd have to dare Phoenix to beat them. And Phoenix has shown the capacity in the past to be able to do that. Now, could they do it for a full seven-game series while keeping up with Denver? I don't know. Probably not. But 
I think if they traded for OG and Anobi and added another, another player that they really trust for Dre, for Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson and guys like that, you send out a whole bunch of firsts, then they could get that done. And if that were the case, that would be a pretty dangerous matchup. You're matching up OG Ananobi with Aaron Gordon as opposed to Cam Johnson or Mikhail Bridges or Devin Booker in that case. And that is just a way better option for Phoenix to really match up with that physicality. So I'm interested. I'm curious. I don't know what it's going to look like, but to me, Phoenix is one of those teams that I'm still worrying about. I do think that Denver wins the series. I'll go 55% to 60% Denver right now, but I do think that Denver wins that series. Dallas, I'd also go 55 to 60%, maybe 60 to 65 because Luka is fantastic. He's wonderful. He is extremely talented. Denver has a good matchup for him and Aaron Gordon. They have KCP, Bruce Brown, Jamal Murray, guys like that who are very capable switching. Michael Porter, not necessarily the most capable switch defender, but he can contest with length. That would be a tough shot for Luka to make the step back with. So he'd probably be driving into Michael Porter a lot, but I'm curious to see how he would handle it. He would probably go off for 50 points per game, but I do think that Denver wins that series about 60% of the time, we'll say. Um, Who's next? Golden State. Golden State's the tough one, right? I think that Denver probably wins a series against Golden State. 55 to 60% of the time. I think that Golden State is vulnerable. I think that they are a really tough matchup for Denver. I think that they have less trust in the rest of their core than they've had in recent years. Uh, Curry is fantastic. He will kill Denver in a lot of ways. Klay Thompson will kill Denver in a lot of ways. Draymond Green will kill Denver in a lot of ways. And yet they don't have enough to stop Denver either. So this is going to be a case of Draymond doing some awesome things against Jokic and still being kind of not impactful enough in that role. And then Kevon Looney probably not having anything for him. Uh, I just think that Denver now has enough to get past Golden State. I think that if you put out a bench lineup that includes Jamal Murray, Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, and then we'll say you stagger Aaron Gordon as well, and you go Aaron Gordon and Zeke Naji, I think you can defend. I think you can score. I think you can do enough against a team like Golden State. They don't have any stoppers. Like Gary Payton II was a great defensive player for them last year. They don't have anybody like that this year. Dante DiVincenzo is not that guy. Andrew Wiggins is not that guy. Uh, Clay Thompson's not that guy. Like they just don't have the defense that they used to. So I think that that is a weakness for them. And Denver would just score. And you'd have home court advantage in that series. So that's a really big deal. The Warriors can't win on the road. That's that's tough. So 60%. 60% is what I will go with. Clippers, 70%. I think you win 70% of those series. It's a tough matchup because... They are a talented team, and they're probably not done making trades. But I do think that the Clippers are vulnerable to a team like Denver. And I don't think that they're like Kawhi, Paul George, guys like that. They are never going to not be vulnerable to Denver because they do not have the personnel to stop Denver at all. And Denver actually has really strong personnel 
to match up with them consistently. The Sacramento Kings, Denver probably wins that series 75% of the time because the Kings can go off and they're probably an unstoppable offense just as much as Denver is an unstoppable offense. I just think that Denver's more unstoppable where the Kings, they have the formula that they do, but if the Nuggets are locked in and doing everything that they can to match up with what the Kings do, they play less bench minutes in that case. Denver plays less bench minutes in that case. And the advantage that the Kings have with guys like Malik Monk and Davion Mitchell and I don't know, some of the other bench guys that they do have, it would be lessened in a playoff series, I think, because Denver would be game planning for those guys just a little bit more than what they do on a daily basis. So I think that Denver wins that series pretty handily. Uh, Maybe it's actually in five or six games. Hopefully not seven. That'd be crazy. And finally, Memphis. I think Denver wins that series probably probably 65% of the time. I do not think the Memphis can keep up with Denver. I do not think that they can score enough. And I think that even though Jaw is a complete and utter show, a show-stopping kind of player, he is not going to be good enough on in a half-court setting to keep up with Jokic, who's just going to be a monster in that case. Now, they do have the formula where you could put Adams on Jokic and you can put Jaron Jackson on Aaron Gordon and have him as a help defender. Denver might have to figure out that matchup a little bit better, but maybe they stagger AG. Maybe they play Michael Porter at the four a little bit more, and you have Michael Porter guarding Jaron Jackson, which I think he can do. I don't think that that's going to be a crazy matchup or anything. So would be really interesting to see if that was the Western Conference Finals. Uh, if it's the Conference Semifinals, then something happened to Memphis, and they dropped all the way down to the four seed because I don't think that Denver's going to drop. But... I do think that at this stage, Denver is a better team than Memphis and a more complete team than Memphis in terms of what they can do in a playoff setting. Uh, We will see what that ultimately entails, but I do like Denver's chances against all of the West teams. Whether they actually get it done or not remains to be seen. You probably need to make another trade or two in order to solidify your bench, but if you can do that, Give yourself some confidence heading into the reg- into the postseason. You have a really solid chance of winning the title because all you got to do is just get there. And if Denver can get there, they might have the best player in the world still. And that means a lot, at least to me. All right. That is going to do it for everybody for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. Good win for Denver tonight. Really good stuff. It is now 2.20 in the morning and I am tired, so I am good. I've got the red eyes and everything. It's horrible. I'm going to go to bed. Have a great time, uh, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. And I will be back after the Nuggets next game against the Golden State Warriors. Should be great. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.